0: I would like to renew the teaching and the practice of Catholicism also the way I have done it with Buddhism. Even if I risk uh, excommunication. In, process of, in the process of renewing Buddhism, many people did not agree with me. But they did not, uh, they could not excommunicate me, because in Buddhism we are too free to to do such a thing. (laughs) When I study the Bible, I see plenty of uh, teachings that can serve as the base for that kind of uh, uh, renewal. The teaching of living deeply in the present moment and not to worry about future was very clear in the Gospel. It is thought that uh, you should take care of today because tomorrow will take care of itself. That is uh, seen in the Gospel of St. Matthew. The teaching concerning how to live uh, deeply uh, every, every moment of our daily life is so important in Buddhism. But even in a Buddhist circle, not many people uh, understand that, that teaching and put it into practice. Living happily in the present moment is something possible. Dharma sukha vihara. Sukha means happy. Sukha vihari means dwelling happily, living deep and happily. And Dharma means uh, now what is happening in the here and the now. Our basic practice in this retreat is also living happily in the here and the now. And there are those of us who are happy in the here and the now. If you observe, you see that around us there are those of us who are capable of dwelling deeply, firmly in the present moment, and getting in touch with the wonders of life within and around us. And when we live like that, the pure land of the Buddha becomes available. The kingdom of God is available. If the Buddha is there, and then his pure land must be there, if God is there, His kingdom is also there. And the fact is that the kingdom is available to us, but we might not be able available to the kingdom. So the practice is to make us, to make ourselves available to the pure land, to the kingdom that is already there. And that practice does is not too difficult. You know the children have uh, the capacity of being in the here and the now more than adults. They don't think too much about the future. They don't make a lot of projects like we do. And they are not caught in, a, in, in the past, by, uh, by the past. So learning to be like, more like children is uh, a good practice. Mindfulness helps us to be established in the here and the now. And that is the basic condition for us to touch life, to touch the kingdom of God, to touch um, the pure land of the Buddha. Last year, we went to uh, we went to the Kishintak, a national uh, assembly of uh, of, uh, uh, Catholic and Protestant in uh, in Germany. It was the first time Catholics and Protestants came together in a national assembly, and there were about one hundred thousand people attending. the Dalai Lama and myself were invited to speak. I also, uh, during that um, meeting, I also proposed that uh, theologians and uh, Christian teachers should be able to provide us, offer us the teaching and the practice that can help us to touch the kingdom of God in the here and the now. This is a, that was a request, but that was also a challenge. My message addressed to Buddhists is exactly the same. Our teachers should be able to offer us the teaching and the practice that can help us to live in the here and the now the kingdom of God, the pure land of the Buddha. And this is something possible. Many of us have uh, have experienced that, have succeeded in doing that. Walking in the kingdom of God every day, contemplating the kingdom of God every day, sitting in the kingdom of God, sitting in the pure land of Buddha, that is something we can do every day. And when we come together for a retreat, well, we just practice that. So I suggested that uh, theologians and uh, Catholic teachers, Protestant teachers, should be able to offer us the kind of teaching and practice that help us to touch the Kingdom of God right in the here and the now. It's very crucial. Because if we are able to touch the Kingdom of God. And then we will no longer run after fame, wealth, power and sex. Because we already have happiness. We no longer want to run into that direction. Many of us have been running after these five kinds of craving, And we have suffered so much. But I insisted that the teaching and the practice should be embodied by the teacher. The life of a teacher should embody that kind of, uh, of teaching and of practice. If the teacher can live in the here and the now, can live in the kingdom of God, and then he will be he will he will be authentic. And people look at him, look at her, uh, they know that this is something they can do also. If you are a Dharma teacher, you know what I mean. You have to embody the teaching of living happily in the present moment. If you want uh, other people, uh, to stop suffering, and to begin to live happily. In the morning when you brush your teeth, brush them in such a way that happiness is possible during the whole time of brushing, which may last only one or two minutes. And that is something I do every morning and, it, and, and after each meal. I brush my teeth in such a way that happiness is real during the time of brushing. I don't say, let us brush it quickly in order to do so, this and that. And that. Brushing your teeth is a practice. And you can be in the pure land during the time of uh, tooth brushing. When you urinate, you do the same thing. Urinating can be very pleasant, and you can do it in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. Remember the time you have uh, infection urinaire. It's so difficult to 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 to, to urinate, and uh, it is possible for us to live that moment in the kingdom and enjoy completely. And remember the time when you need to go to the bathroom, but there's no bathroom around. <laughs> <laughs> and you suffer. And now you are in the bathroom. <laughs> it's very pleasant to urinate. <laughs> and do everything in your daily life in that kind of spirit, and the Kingdom of God become available to you right away. You know that going from your tent to the meditation hall is for you to sit in the meditation hall. But during the time of walking from your tent to the meditation hall, you can walk in such a way that the meditation hall is already under your feet. You can enjoy every step. You can stop your thinking. You just focus your attention on your steps and your in breath and out breath. And there are br- brothers and sisters who are doing that around you. And uh, the the mountains are there. The the new moon is there. The trees are there, practicing with you. So every mo- moment of your of your daily life can be can be be seen as a miracle. And you continue to live miracles of life at, at each moment. And if you can do like that, you no longer complain. You complain because you are unhappy. There are those of us who have experience in the practice. We know that happiness depends on us and not on the other person. The way we act, the way we react can change the world. When someone is angry and talk to us with anger, we may get angry back at him or her out in my breath and smile, and that help that person. We are protected by our practice, and our practice helps the other person to feel better. If you are a beginner, a new practitioner, you need to learn. There are brothers and sisters who have been there in the practice, longer than us. They are able to walk, to sit, to breathe, to smile in such a way that the Pure Land of Buddha becomes available to them and to us. And we have to say, if they can do that, I can do that too. Mindfulness and concentration brings about happiness. Bring about happiness and uh, solidity, understanding and compassion. And that compassion, that happiness will nourish us and will be able to nourish the other people around us. When you are, when you have compassion in you, when you have happiness in you, uh, you are helping other people around you, your brothers and your sisters in the Dharma. Suppose there is a novice who has received ten precepts of novice, and he is still weak in the practice, and if he was talking during the time of serving the food. And you know that is not correct. Because the, our practice is that while standing in the line and serving breakfast, that we have to dwell mindfully without mindful breathing and smiling and not talking. And you are doing very well. But the novice does not, is not doing well. Although he has the robe of a monk, but he does not practice as well as us who have not received uh, ordination. When when someone wear the robe of a monk, that does not mean that his practice is better than the practice of those uh, who are lay who are who, are, who, who are lay people. Because there are those of us who have who are upasika upasaka. But our practice is very solid. We have a lot of happiness. We don't complain. So with that happiness, with that compassion in you, you can help the novice. Because he he is your brother. You can touch him like this, gently. And when he turns around, you smile and you do like this. He will thank you because you, 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 you replace his teacher. His teacher is not there, but you, you is a brother, Dharma brother for him, to him. So if you do like this, and then he will thank you. He will not get hurt. Because practicing is not only helping us, but helping the Sangha. Our practice includes Sangha building. And so helping your brother and sister to do well, to do better, that is part of our practice. And that novice will say, well, I am an ordained person, I am a monk, and yet my, my practice is quicker than this uh, lay friend. I have to make an effort. That's good for him, and good for us. That those who have received five um, trainings, sometimes their, their practice is not as good as those who have not received the five trainings. The other person who has not formally received the five trainings, but she is doing very well. Her way of talking, her way of uh, living is very close to the teaching of the Buddha concerning the five mindfulness trainings. And we who have received from Thai the five trainings, a certificate, and yet we are not doing as, as well as that person. So we have to look at that person who has not received the five precepts as a teacher. As a teacher. And we have to be, to feel thankful for his or her presence in the Sangha. Because uh, his presence in the Sangha is a blessing. It's a positive uh, uh, factor. It makes the sangha more beautiful. It makes the sangha uh, um, a better refuge. So it's not because you have received uh, five uh, trainings that we are more important than those who have not received the five trainings. If we feel that we are more important than them, we are wrong. Because even if they have not received formally the five trainings, they are practicing very well. And even if they have not received the five trainings, and if they see that we do not practice well enough, they can come and pat in our head and bow like this. And we have to, f- to feel grateful to them, because he is replacing the teacher he is the teacher. The teacher can be in his brown robe, but the teacher can be in his white robe at the same time. You, you have to see the, your teacher a little bit everywhere, and not just in that direction. Because you have learned about uh, signlessness. You are not caught by the form. And if you are a OI member, and you wear a brown jacket. You have to be aware that those who do not have a brown jacket might be a better might be better practitioners than us. And they can be our teacher also. In fact it's more difficult to wear the jacket. Because to wear the jacket. We have to be more careful. We have to embody the, the, the 14 mindfulness trainings. In the four mindfulness trainings, there are trainings, four trainings about how to speak. To speak in such a way that, uh, that bring happiness to people, that inspire faith and confidence in people. and when we are a member of the order of interbeing our the real value of our, our our real value is the practice of the trainings if we don't practice the 14 mindfulness trainings we are not a real member of the order the way we think the way we speak the way we act, should reflect the spirit of the 14 trainings. And in order to do that, we have to... we have to be solid in our daily practice. We have to rely on other people to help us. We have to take refuge in the sangha. In the sangha, there are those who are better than us in the practice of the 14 trainings. We have to look to them as our our big brothers and sisters. In fact, those of us who have received the 14 mindfulness trainings, we have the duty of setting up a Sangha. We have to do the work of Sangha building. We have to contact the people who have not received the five trainings, the people who have received the five trainings in our area, and ask them to come together and set up a Sangha in order to have a refuge for the people around. The value of the Sangha is is the practice, is the energy of mindfulness, the energy of compassion, the energy of harmony, and brotherhood. And if you are a good sangha builder, you have to embody that kind of spirit. You have to know how to speak with love and kindness, how to listen with compassion. Otherwise, you cannot build a sangha. Building a sangha requires a lot of patience, understanding, love, openness. And you know that. The Buddha was an excellent Sangha builder. With the Sangha you have a refuge. With the Sangha you can realize your dream. The king of Kosala, the last time he when he met the Buddha, he said, Lord Buddha, every time I see your Sangha, I have, I have more faith in your holiness. Because the Sangha move around very mindfully, radiating harmony and peace and happiness. And the Sangha is a masterpiece of the Buddha. Without the Sangha, the Buddha cannot do much. It's like uh, a musician. Without the musical instrument, you cannot do anything. And that is why an OI member has to be a Sangha builder. And in order to succeed in his or her attempt to build Sangha, she has to deepen her practice every day. If she cannot talk and reconcile with members of her family, how can she be with Sangha? So she has to make peace with herself first. She has to be able to smile, to forgive herself, before she can talk to other members of her family. And when her family is happy, uh, harmonious, joyful, and then she knows that she she can start building the Sangha. And building the Sangha can bring you a lot of happiness. The Sangha will be your refuge. The Sangha will be a refuge for many people. The Buddha also took refuge in his Sangha. They also took refuge in his Sangha. Because the Sangha is our refuge, our home protecting us, supporting us, shining the light on us. That is why if you are a practitioner, whether you have received the five trainings or not, whether you have received uh, the 14 trainings or not, whether you have received the 10 novice precepts or not, whether you have received the 250 trainings of a fully ordained monk or not, you need a sangha. And you can participate in the task, in the, in the work of building the sangha. Because building the sangha is a very noble, sacred uh, task to do. Nowadays, people feel cut off People cannot relate to anything that is beautiful, good, and true. And that is why building a good sangha is to provide people with a refuge. For your happiness, we have um, made uh, the kung fu uh, kung fu uh, book. This sheet is for for one week. Everyone should uh, should get a copy of this. Uh, either in Vietnamese or in English. In Vietnamese, it's called Kung Fu. Kung Fu means daily practice. It's not martial art. Uh, There are seven columns, one for Monday, one for Tuesday, and so on. (coughs) And then uh, in the evening, before you go to sleep, you have to look and evaluate the practice. Uh, Your practice. You have evaluate the day of practice that is ending. Uh, <coughs> waking up, when you wake, wake up. Do you practice. Do you know that you are waking up on the mountains in the retreat? Are you able to smile? In order to realize that you are in a retreat this is a great opportunity and if uh, this this morning you did not do that you were not happy you you did you were not aware that you are you, you woke up in a retreat on the mountain with the Sangha and then you put a zero here And you are welcome to, to reach, I think from 1 to uh, 90. Because uh, from 90 to 10, we reserve it for the fully enlightened ones.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our Humility. Sometimes we feel that uh, we are very close to 100%, but it's still practicing humility, we just put 90. Let's take practice. <laughs> waking up, you are able to smile and to value, to, to remember that you have a brand new 24 hours to live. What a gift! And if you wake up without that kind of awareness, that is a waste. So this morning, if you did not practice that, if, you, uh, if you're waking up, did not have any value, just give it zero. And then, wearing your shoes, because wearing your shoes mindfully can bring you a lot of happiness. Wearing your shoes is not only for walking, wearing your shoes is for wearing your shoes like washing the dishes. Washing the dishes is not only for having clean dishes, But the time of washing dishes can be joyful. You can dwell in the here and the now, in the kingdom of God, during the time of dish washing. And every bowl uh, you wash, every dish you wash is like, it's as sacred as you are giving the, the newborn baby Buddha a bath. It's very sacred. If mindfulness and concentration is there, everything becomes sacred holy because the energy of mindfulness the energy of concentration is the, is the energy of the of holiness so your holiness has to wash your 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 bowl mindfully otherwise you are not holy at all and mindfulness and concentration that is subs- substance of mindfulness, of holiness When I was, uh, when I first became a, a novice, my teacher gave me a book of uh, about fifty verses to memorize, to practice mindfulness. And there is one for wearing your shoes. In my case, uh, not uh, leather shoes, but uh, wood. Clock, uh, clock, clock. Yeah. And then uh, sit in your bed, and you you use your um, your leg to to find out your slipper, your shoes. You breathe in and out, and you recite silently the verse. It's like this: Tùng triều dân đáng trực chi <cười> mò nhất thiết chúng sanh từ hồi hồ nhập ư tán hạ hình, Nguyen, tức Thoi, That's what I learned when I was sixteen. From the morning until the late evening, every living being has to take care of himself or herself. If by, if by, if by um, chance. It's by bad chance I step on you, one of you, and crush you under my feet. I sorry, I wish that you were born right away into the pure land of the Buddha. I was so moved. That is the practice of compassion and mindfulness. You know that while walking, you cannot you cannot avoid killing little creatures. And that is why finding your shit, you are aware of that. You want, you want to preserve, to protect the life of living beings. And that adverse help you to, to, to create, to, to generate the energy of mindfulness, and also to, to cultivate compassion. So while wearing your shoes, please enjoy your practice. The practice is not only in a meditation hall. And make sure that you are happy and solid and joyful during the time of wearing your shoes. And then four, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if you, you do well, and then you can, you can write down a note like a 60, or 80, or 90. Otherwise, you give a zero. No one will look into your Kung Fu book. <laughs> you and the Buddha within yourself, both of you, take care of that. We never inquire about you or about this. This is not an exam. And you and the Buddha and you are enough. Uh, uh, the Dharma teacher may, 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 may have the right to ask, do you do you practice it? I just, yes, that's good enough. He doesn't have to look into it. But he has to make sure that you do it. holding your blanket opening the door closing the door you know my story of uh, closing the door one day my teacher told me to go and do something for him i love him so much i was very eager to go and do it for him that i closed my the door after me not mindfully he called me back <laughs> my child yes uh, go out again and close the door mindfully. This time. I understood. He never had to teach me again a second time. I knew I knew how to close the door mindfully. From that moment. And when when I met Thomas Merton in nineteen sixty six in his uh, Kentucky um, monastery. I told him that. He remember very well. And he, he, he spoke about it in a Dharma talk, in his uh, Christian Dharma talk. <laughs> <coughs> and it happens that a Catholic lady living in New Germany had listened to that by Thomas Merton. And she was very curious. That is why she went to Plum Village to see how they closed the door. <laughs> she did not tell us. She just came and signed up for one week. And the purpose is to observe. <laughs> but after one week, she she stayed Stay on for another two weeks. She loved it. And then on the day she departed, during the steep meditation, we asked her to, to tell her feeling, and she told us the story why she had come. She was just curious to see how Thay, uh closed the door behind him. And she had been observing all of us during three weeks. <laughs> So, closing the door, opening the door, is a practice. You have to do it in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. And if you are inhabited by the energy of mindfulness and concentration, you can be very happy closing the door. Not because you don't want to make noise for other people, but uh, the, the first, the main purpose is to be always in the pure land of the border. Going to the WC, defecating, washing your hand, brushing your teeth, washing your face, looking in the mirror, smile, with compassion. And you have a list like this. turning on the light. You need only one second in order for the light to be. In many areas of the earth where you have to go for the lamp, you have to strike a match. It takes more time. And sometimes there's no match. taking a shower. The water flows. You become, you, you become aware that the water came has come from far away, deep in the earth, or very high on, from, from the mountains. And the miracle, and the, the water running, on your fingers, is a miracle. From time to time, I take some water and wash my eyes. And I value each drop of water like a pearl, like a jewel. It's wonderful, the water. <coughs> and happiness is made of, of these moments of mindfulness the practice can be described as the practice of mindfulness mindfulness made of concentration and happiness is made of concentration and mindfulness and when you are happy when you have uh, enough of the when you have had enough of that of this uh, energy of mindfulness and concentration You feel good within yourself. You feel that you are in the kingdom of God and you are in a situation to help other living beings. You no longer complain of anything because you have enough compassion to embrace and to help other living beings. So please um, get, get a copy of this. whether in Vietnamese or in English. We have been uh, learning from the beginning of the retreat on how to take care of our body and our feelings. We have studied the first, uh, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth uh, exercise on mindful breathing proposed by the Buddha. We are learning how to handle our feelings and our emotions. There is a river of feeling flowing day and night in us. And every feeling is a drop of water. And we should go home to ourselves and recognize the feelings in us, whether they are pleasant, or unpleasant, or neutral, and to take care of them. There we have learned how to produce the feeling of joy, the feeling of happiness. Remember during the last Dharma talk, we learned that uh, the practice of mindfulness and concentration and letting go can bring about many feelings <coughs> of joy, of happiness, of liberation. You don't need to consume anything. No alcohol, no cigarette, no wine, no expensive car, and yet there's a lot of uh, pleasant, wonderful, joyful feelings nourishing us. Mindfulness helps us to get in touch with the joy inside. With the wonders of life that are all around us, and the Buddha advises us to nourish us with uh, healthy, uh, uh, joyful, uh, pleasant uh, feelings. Because if uh, we are happy enough, and then we'll be able to handle the negative, the unpleasant feeling. Because there are blocks of pain and sorrow and fear and anger in us. And when they manifest, we should be able to recognize them, to embrace them, to take care of them. And if we, we don't practice uh, being happy, being joyful, and then we are too weak in order to do the work of uh, handling the suffering in us. In the Buddhist practice, in the Buddhist teaching, we learn that there are 51 categories of mental formations. Mental formation, Tamhan, Atamsha Chitta, Samskara. There are positive uh, mental formations like uh, confidence. like uh, compassion, like uh, loving-kindness, like uh, diligence, like uh, uh, lightness, like uh, joy. And there are negative uh, mental formations like uh, anger, despair, hate, jealousy, and so on. So their name is, uh, their number is 51. And mindfulness is one of them. And the opposite to mindfulness is forgetfulness. And we have both within our consciousness. If we live in forgetfulness, and then we are not able to touch the wonders of life in the here and the now. The Kingdom of God, the Pure Land of Buddha is not available. And sometimes the forgetfulness uh, takes hold of us. And that is why practicing mindfulness, we don't allow forgetfulness to take, uh, to, to, to take over uh, the situation. There are moments when many f- mental formations want to manifest at the same time. Your jealousy wants to speak, your fear wants to speak, your anger wants to speak, and your mindfulness wants to speak also. <laughs> it's like a group of people and they want to talk at the same time. That happens and you don't know uh, to what, to whom you give the priority. Many, many feelings, many uh, mental formations try to manifest at the same time. You are not peaceful, and uh, you are advised in that moment when you are not peaceful to play music. You say, listen, everyone, you have a chance to express yourself, but now let's listen to some music. (laughs) And you play the music, The, the music of mindful breathing. Breathing in, breathing out. I have arrived. I'm home. In the here, in the now. You play the music. You have the music with you. You have the instrument. And you play the music for everyone to listen. And everyone will, will come down just after a few minutes. Mindful breathing is like, when you practice mindful breathing, it's like you play violin. The music can be very soft, very soothing. Everyone will be happy. When you breathe in, it can go like this, breathing in. When you breathe out, it can go like this, breathing out. And it's go like that, continuously. Or you might draw like this, breathing in, breathing out. out. It's not like this, breathing in and then breathing out. Breathing in and (laughs) breathing out. It's not like that. When you play the violin, you play like that also. Up and down, it's a continuation. There's no break between the two. And when every everyone, every mental formation has come down, it's very easy for you to to begin to look into it. <coughs> and you have the violin. You have to make use of your instrument. You have many beautiful gatas like I have arrived, I'm home. This is pure land, the pure land is here, here is pure land, pure land is here. In our deep, slow, calm is, smile release, present moment, wonderful moment. All these gathas are pieces of music and you have the violin in you. The moment when you sit down on your cushion, you have to take your violin and play it right away. Don't wait for other people. Why? You have to wait for the bell in order to begin meditation. For me, I don't need to sit down in order to begin to take the violin out. It is always playing. Even before you sit down, you can play already. It's continuous. And the music of mindful breathing can, can can bring about harmony. Harmony even between conflicting conflicting elements in your consciousness. There's a compassion, there's a anger. And yet when you play that music, compassion is holding the hand of anger and dance. It's wonderful if you know, if you try, you'll see that. Because all mental formations in us, they are of a organic nature. Although they look different, but they are all organic. This can become that. Hate, anger can become compassion. You know, if you are an organic gardener, you know that you can transform the garbage into compost. And, and next, into flower again. And flower can become garbage and compost. Everything is organic. So the 51 mental formations are all organic. If you don't know how to take care of a flower, it becomes a piece of uh, of garbage very soon. And if you know how to handle the piece of garbage, sometime later it become a, 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 a lettuce. So, basing on the fact that every, every mental formation is organic, we know that it is possible to transform anger into compassion and hate into love again. And the music is very important. Don't worry, I will take care of you. And it is mindfulness that is the musician. And all of us have mindfulness, mindfulness concentration. It's wonderful if we know how to use our time to do, to do that. And in a retreat, we have plenty of, of opportunities to do that. Whether you are in the bathroom, or whether you are in the kitchen, working to help the Sangha, you can always practice. Don't think of uh, sitting meditation as the only Only practice. And the practice should be enjoyable. If you suffer during the practice, there's no practice uh, uh, we offer in in Plum Village or in, in the Deer Park. In walking meditation, every step should be placed in the Pure Land, not outside of the Pure Land. And it is uh, the energy of mindfulness and concentration that keep us in the Pure Land. Because you can get out of, pu- uh, out of the Pure Land in just one second. And you lose your happiness. Many people think that the Kingdom of God is not a place is a place where there is no suffering. There is only happiness. And that those of us who think that the Pure Land is a place where there is no suffering. If you have a beautiful garden, and if you are the gardener, You know that in your garden, there are flowers, of course, but there are garbage also. Because if there are flowers, there must be garbage. Flowers are to become garbage. But you don't mind, because you know that garbage can be transformed back into flowers. Without garbage, there is no flower. Without suffering, there can be no happiness. Can you imagine a place where there is only happiness? Can you imagine a garden where there is only flower and this flower never become garbage? You must must agree with the fact that in the Kingdom of God there is a compassion and understanding, love. In the pure land of Buddha, also, there is a compassion, understanding, forgiveness. But let us ask the question: As what, what, with what, with what uh, substance we create, we, we we fabricate compassion and joy and forgiveness. The quality of a Buddha, of a great being, is understanding and compassion. Let us ask the question, how can we cultivate understanding and compassion? Understanding and compassion are the two most precious flowers. It's very clear that everyone is able to see that if you do not understand suffering, you can, never, you can never cultivate compassion and understanding. It is by getting in touch with suffering that you bring about understanding and compassion. If you have no chance to get in touch with the suffering, how can you cultivate understanding and compassion? So the flower of understanding and compassion is made with the garbage of suffering. It is by touching the suffering, it is by getting in touch with suffering that we have a chance to understand the nature of suffering that you can bring about understanding and compassion. And therefore suffering is very, very crucial. Very necessary for us to cultivate understanding and compassion. Do you want to send your children to a place where there is no suffering? In that place, he or she will never have a chance to learn how to be understanding and compassionate. Because understanding and compassion are born on the ground of suffering. And you know it by yourself. That is why my definition of the Kingdom of God is not a place where there is no suffering. I would not go to a place where there is no suffering. I have no chance to cultivate, cultivate my understanding and compassion. I refuse to go to such a place. And such a, such a place can never exist. It's like a garden that has that only, that only flowers, and the flowers never turn back into garbage. This is absurd, this is impossible. My my understanding of uh, the kingdom of God is the that is a place where there is understanding and compassion. And if there is compassion and understanding there is also the other side of it, suffering. That is a place where people know how to transform suffering into understanding and compassion. In the Pure Land also, there are Bodhisattvas who master the art of transformation. So you can bring your suffering over there. They will help you to transform. It is with this element of suffering that you can... you can you can cultivate compassion and understanding. So thinking of the Kingdom of God as a place where there is no suffering is a very naive uh, Uh, idea. Thinking of the pure land of Buddha as a place where there is only happiness, no suffering, is a very absurd, naive idea. And that is why it's better to define the kingdom of God as a a place where there's a plenty of chance to learn, to understand suffering, so that we can cultivate our understanding and compassion. And there are Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, angels who know how to do it and who teach us how to do it. And we are no longer afraid of suffering because we, ma- we have mastered the art of transforming suffering into, into understanding and compassion. In the teaching of the Buddha, it is by looking deeply into the nature of suffering, the first noble truth, that you have a chance to see the path of transformation and healing, which is the fourth noble truth, Magga, the path. The fourth noble truth is the the path of transformation. And if you try to run away from the first noble truth, there's no chance for you to see this fourth noble truth. And the first noble truth, the fourth noble truth, the inter-are. Without one, there is no other. That is the teaching of interbeing. That is why we practitioners, we should not be afraid of suffering. We should be able to face suffering, to embrace suffering, to look deeply into the nature of suffering, and then understanding suffering bring about the path of transformation and healing. running away, trying to run away from suffering, you have no chance. In a retreat like this, we have to to know how to profit from the collective energy of the Sangha. If you practice alone, it's much more difficult. You know? When you throw a rock into a river, no matter how small it is, it will sink to the bottom of the river. But if you have a boat, you can keep uh, tons of rocks floating. The same thing with is the Sangha, because the Sangha is a boat. Alone, the amount of suffering in you can make you sink into the river of suffering. But if you bring your suffering to the Sangha and allow the Sangha to embrace it with you, you will not sink. Because the energy of the collective energy of mindfulness of the Sangha is powerful. If you surrender to the Sangha, Surrender yourself to the Sangha. If you allow the Sangha to embrace you and your suffering, you will float. And that is why, coming to a retreat, you should learn how to trust the Sangha and to allow the Sangha to transport you as a boat. Don't practice as individuals. When you do walking meditation, you do with the Sangha and you inherit and you profit from the collective energy of the Sangha, and then your step will be firmer and more in the, in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. When you eat breakfast with the Sangha, stay together with other people and profit from the collective energy. Because eating lunch is also a deep practice. I propose that at lunch time, you come together and eat together you see the presence of monks nuns lay friends and everyone is eating mindfully in the kingdom of god smiling and uh, enjoying every moment of, of 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 lunch during the lunch time you don't think you don't think of of other things you just touch deeply the food you just Allow ourselves to be embraced by the Sangha. We know that brothers and sisters in the Sangha are around us and we allow ourselves to be embraced by the energy of the Sangha. So I advise that during lunch long time you come together in one place. And eat uh, in uh, and allow yourself to be to be embraced by the Sangha. If the dining hall is uh, Mm, has not enough place and you might sit outside. But it's good that you come together as a group and feeling the presence of each other. Doing walking meditation, doing sitting meditation, uh, cooking, doing things, you learn to do as a sangha, go as a river and you feel that handling your block of suffering will not be difficult anymore. You have to know how to make use of the boat. And if you, you know how to allow the boat to, trans, to transport you, it will not sink. Open yourself, open your heart, and allow the Sangha to, to carry you, to transport you. You can come to a brother and to sister, and you say, I have a lot of pain. Please help me to embrace it. And we are there for you. That is why taking refuge in the Sangha, the practice will be much, much easier, much more pleasant. I would like to make sure that uh, today, everyone has a sheet of this. Is it possible? It's very urgent. Kung Fu.